Welcome to a special episode of Acts of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. We are about to get down and dirty with the Fantasia here. And who are our special guests? It's me, Kimberly Wallace from Game Informer, Features Editor. If there is evil in this world, it lurks in the heart of me, Victor Hunter. Yes, this is part two of our Great Tales ranking. You can go listen to part one right now. It's on your feed. It's on both the free feed and the Patreon feed. We are going to talk about the best 10 Tales games to date. And there's some real bangers on here. I'm looking forward to talking about them. Kim and Victor once again join us as our resident Tales experts. They have a lot of interesting opinions on these games, and we're going to have some lively discussion. I'm looking forward to it. Before we get to that, though, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, please go leave us a review. It brightens our day, and it helps the visibility of the podcast. I'm on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. Kim, where can we find you? Star 1785 on Twitter. And how about you, Victor? I am at Victor E. Hunter. That's Victor, the letter E, Hunter. And of course, there's our Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where we are currently talking about Tales of Vesperia, which is on this list, but I'm not going to say where. Could it be number one? Could it be number two? You don't know. It's a surprise. It's a secret. Just going to have to listen to the podcast. Stop fast forwarding. <laughs> don't do that i see you <laughs> i see you i see you hitting that fast forward button come back but we'll get to that all in a bit it'll be a lot of fun but before we get there i just want your initial thoughts so far the tales series what makes it like so interesting like what what makes these tales games stand apart i think from the games that we were just talking about I am not a Tales expert. Uh, Kimberly and Victor fill that role very, very sufficiently. But I will say that the thing that makes these particular Tales games, from what I've played, stand out to me is I can cite one instance, I won't say which one, where the battle system just really, really drew me in. It was so much fun to play. Uh, And another one where the story was just excellent. And if not the story was, if the story was a little bit cliche, it was fine because the characters delivered it in such a fun, bouncy way that I never found myself like bored. I really found myself falling for these characters. So these are tales at its base is anime nonsense, and that's fine. That's what it's supposed to be. These games are the ones that really elevate themselves, and they are still anime nonsense, but in the best possible way that you can be anime nonsense. So I think that. I won't have much to contribute to this to the list, but I'm sure that Victor and Kim will will go all out. I think with these, um, you're gonna see more well-rounded games where yeah. we're not just like, oh, you really have to ignore this aspect or this to get it. Like these are the ones that I feel like people recommend and have the most memorable casts. So when yes. we're talking about the games, you know, then the last list, we didn't like mention too many standout characters, but I think with this list, we're going to really get into talking about what endeared people to these games. And a lot of it were the characters and having the combination of 
the great battle systems. So I think with this list, we're going to see less of those. You have to ignore this, but you're going to see the better, obviously, as we should. It is the top uh, mm-hmm. part, you know, the top list. So the games that kind of did a lot of things well and were more well-rounded in providing a good RPG experience. Yeah, if if the two pillars of Tales games are combat and story and characters, this is where there's less of a disparity between the quality of those two. Right. It makes for a, a, a more approachable game in general. Yeah, when... The Tales games really want to kind of go for it. You can tell when the Tales games have a budget, when Bandai Namco is like, this is it. This is going to be the top selling Tales game versus the Tales games that are kind of more filler, I want to say, because there was a period where Bandai Namco was pushing Tales really hard and trying to annualize the franchise, I think to its detriment. It's it's yeah. tough to, detri- yeah, to yeah, annualize yeah. a franchise. I, I can't tell. Did, do you think it wanted Tales to be its Dragon Quest or do did it want Tales to be its Final Fantasy? I say just more of a cash cow when it just really pumped those out for just a, like a little the while games there. that are going to just have the audience who will always buy them. I would say, okay, I'm going to say it's this, it's their Mega Man because there was a time when Capcom mm-hmm. just pumped the hell out of Mega Man and just there was a game every year and some of them are good but it was really to the serious detriment at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I think I think now with the new producer at the helm, he wants to make it the Final Fantasy. I think right, in, right. in previous years, it has been more of a like, I, I think the where where Final Fantasy sits on like reinventing itself every time and Dragon Quest sits on being a, a comfort food that is, you know, it is... It is comfortable, but it still does great things with a, a foundation that is very familiar. I mm-hmm. think Tales tries to marry those two and uh, really starts with a foundation of familiar and then mixes things up within that, like puts as new wrinkles to battle systems that that reinvent itself every time. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's. It's a combination of those two philosophies with a smaller budget. Yeah, definitely. I think when you look at this list, you're going to see games that shook up the formula in meaningful ways, took bigger swings in the games that we were just talking about. Because a lot of the games that we were talking about were sequels or very middle-of-the-road entries that didn't shake up the formula too much. A lot of these games do, in fact, shake up the formula quite a bit. And then also, um, they're the ones that in, introduce some kind of new mechanic or represent a major turn for the series, um, or just have the best battle system, or just have the best story. So I hit all of them. And let's start with number 10 on the list. It was the game that brought the series back to its roots. Yes, it's number 10 is Tales of Zestiria. That's where it started getting weird with the name conventions. And it's the passion that illuminates the world RPG. It has the fusionic chain linear motion battle system. Obviously. Is story. I mean, yeah. 
Kim, you called this one the most disappointing entry since Legendia. Ouch. Oh, What's your I take don't now? like this game. Okay. I do not like this game at all. And uh, probably wouldn't be so high for me. And I remember getting a lot of heat. We're off on a runner here. Yeah, I got a lot of heat when I reviewed this because I did not like it. Um, it was boring for me. I felt like, you know, if, if you've heard me, like, as I've been talking, I really like to be attached to cast. I like interesting characters and the cast didn't do it for me. I found this to be a really boring cast, which surprises me because Bandai Namco kind of went out with it. It had the anime to go with it. Um, I just, I was bored. And frankly, I think at this point too, the Tales series kept repeating a lot of the mistakes that it was making in other entries prior to it. And I was like, how many times, and this will be a common refrain in a lot of things, but how many times do you have to say like, there's too much backtracking in this game. I wish I just wasn't going like, why am I going all the way back here when I was just there and there and the dungeon designs to me um, was really, they were suffering. Um, and this is when I felt like a lot of RPGs were upping their game and Tales wasn't to me. And this entry kind of when it came out and where it was, I was just like, I was very disappointed by it. Um, and I, Tales of Zestiria is not, a Kim Tales game, as we said, everybody will be attracted to Tales for like yeah. different entries, different reasons, but it just didn't click with me. And I was disappointed because I had higher hopes for it, I guess. Um, coming off of, I think this was right after, right? Zillia 2 and all that. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, we had two entries that kind of were, you know, budget and you could tell felt rushed. And so I was expecting a big, like, you know, comeback of some sort that, and it wasn't for me. And I, I will just keep it at that. Yeah. Well, I think, I think this, this wasn't the comeback that Arise is. Yes, um, exactly. And we'll, we'll, I think we'll get to this when we talk about Zillia and sort of the, um, the standard it set for this decade of Tales games. But there are a lot of choices that don't, it, this is the half step where they wanted to have Western influence to to broaden the appeal beyond just JRPG lovers, but it was the half steps that didn't that didn't push it to where Arise has succeeded, um, and they carry that philosophy through Zillia, Zillia Two, Zestiria, and Berseria uh, in a lot of ways, um, and we'll break those down later. But yeah, this um this. This is truly a middle of the road tales for me. Um, I I know we're we're supposed to be in the top <laughs> ten now, and we've started with a little bit of a bummer. But like, this is a game that does some things competently, but it overloads the battle system with so many systems and the the structure of the world. And because Zestiria and Berseria share a world. Um, there's there's this distinction between types of characters that doesn't really pay off in a meaningful way. Like you have your human characters and then you have your party members that are also a kind of spirit. And Zestiria really right. tries to make that work in a, a game mechanic way that I, I just don't think works at all, um, which is too bad because uh, because like it says in the notes, it's building off of graces. It's trying to do interesting things with a really strong foundation, but it 
it just doesn't it, it makes things too complicated um and 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 battle becomes unclear because of that and character relationships become unclear because of that we really like the 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 distinctions between the human characters and the spirit characters feel so arbitrary at times that i don't know why i should care about their connections to each other um is this the game that has rose in it yes Okay, because I have a friend who's a very, very huge shipper of Rose and her spirit character, D something with a D, Detsiol. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, um, z- 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 oh my gosh, why can't I remember his name? That's how memorable he is, I guess. But yeah. Anyway, yep. I, I know exactly what you're talking We're talking about. about this game right now, and I am barely remember it at all. <laughs> and I mean, like, I really, I played till the end of it. Like, I... I was just even for a second, I was like, oh, that's right. The spirit stuff. Like, I just, I can't, it's so unmemorable to me. And yeah. just so like, I dull. guess the way to describe it then is just inoffensive, if nothing yeah. else. <laughs> yeah. It, it's the game that I've, I've bounced off of Zysteria the most. I've started it three right. times and I've never beaten it. And oh. you've heard me. I justified yeah. the existence of Tempest. Like, <laughs> yes, you did. Like, it's it's just too bloated. It it doesn't need to be a seventy hour game full of a million side quests and and so many systems and and the bloat. Yeah, the bloat, um, bloat mo bloat yeah. at its finest. <laughs> Which makes this the specter of Tales games. <laughs> so is this the point where we retroactively like just put it into the previous episode? <laughs> <laughs> no. Put it into limbo. Put it between the lists so it Here's just kind of hovers it's there. A, I mean, it's a mainline entry and it's a fine one. It, yeah. it, there are people that really, really like this game, and I've mm-hmm. been like, yeah. I want to see what you see because it's got yeah. a, like the people who like it very passionate about it. It just for me didn't and I wondered about it. I was like, has it been that I've just played every like Tales entry up into this point and like it doesn't feel new and exciting to me anymore with some yeah. of this stuff where maybe some people skipped around entry. You never know. Um yeah. but for me it just man, it didn't. But there are there is a lot of people who like really enjoy Zysteria. Totally. I level with you. I vibed I vibed with Zysteria more than I did really Zilia. Yeah, I, I I found Zillia to be kind of a little too anime, like to the point that it just was really overwhelming me. I mm. didn't like the art design in Zillia mm. like at all. I, I I think it has a lot of strengths actually, and we'll get to them. But Zysteria, I think, being more grounded, being less beat you over the head with the anime, um, in many ways, returning to the series roots, and then vi- riffing on Tales of Graces, I thought. Uh, made it more like more of a likable entry to me one that i like kind of immediately vibed with in a way that i did not was uh zilia so i'm I'm intrigued by the concept of being beaten over the head with anime that's a cool (laughs) way to die well yeah i was like that's probably why i didn't like it yeah it's it's interesting (laughs) i want to be beaten over the head with anime man it's interesting that you mentioned that it's a bit more grounded because it is also the game where like literally character proportions are more human um, mm-hmm. It is the one where they just went for a more standard, like even Zillia has, they got big anime heads kind of thing. But, but big anime Zisteria, heads with distorted features and everything. The Zillia designs are very more grounded, even just from their proportions. So, yeah. So I, I thought that I was like, oh, okay, like Zisteria, that's an interesting kind of shift 
for the series, I think. Yeah. And I liked Berseria better, ultimately. Mm. Um, and I thought that the uh, the battle system flowed really nicely for the most part. So yeah. I I was like, okay, like I feel more positive on Zysteria. And I feel like there are plenty of people who are into it. But yeah, you're right. This is like a very strong, your mileage may vary yeah. <laughs> entry in the series. I, I think the reason I would put it ahead of like, Zillia 2 and that kind of thing is again like a game like Zillia 2 just has too many caveats I think mm-hmm. whereas this one like you could be back and forth on like its relative merits and everything but I think it's a stronger experience overall sure yeah um, yeah like Zillia 2 might have higher highs but its lows are really really low yeah that that comes that that makes this fall in line with what we say about approachability of of these mm-hmm. top 10 is Absolutely. And and there's there's something to be said for the the battle system of a Tales game where its skill floor is and where its skill ceiling is and and how easy it is to get into um, as opposed to how how hard it is to master. Uh, and I, I think you're right in that Zestiria has I find it has a, a low skill floor for the sake of just getting through the game but I never really felt like I got it and it clicked and that I was that I was doing what I was meant to. Zestiria for me always felt like I will just get the best gear and I'll I'll make sure I've leveled up a little bit and get through mm-hmm. it. But I never felt like I had mastery over what I was supposed to be doing, what they intended for all of these systems to mean. So I I, I totally get what you mean. And as a more modern game, like I think it just holds up better than like Fantasia or Innocence or Legendia or Hearts. Like I would play, I would play it over like pretty much all of those. The only one that I have a fair amount of questions over is maybe I would put Tales of Destiny two um, for the mm. PS two over this one, but that one is also hampered by the fact that it never came out in North America, yeah. so yeah. it's a little Sad. bit less accessible, maybe yeah. Yeah. than Tales of Zestiria. But like. I think that Tales of Zestiria, like when I look at the rest of the top 10 list, it is not one that I would be like, yeah, play this one first. You know, this yeah, this is the one. Definitely. Sure. And yeah. it wanted to be that one. It wanted to be the entry mm-hmm. that was supposed to be the entry point for a lot of fans. Yeah. I think Zestiria reflects Tales when it was in a point where it was kind of lost, right? Zillia was a little bit of a fa- false dawn for the series. Like, yeah. Zillia had come back. People had been really into it. Tales fans in particular, like really were like, we love Tales of Zillia. This is awesome. But it, it was so, it, it was very Tales fan oriented. Yeah. And and Bandai Namco couldn't figure out how to pivot the series to make it more kind of mainstream and everything. And this was their attempt. And you could argue that it was not a successful attempt. Tales of Arise is a successful attempt. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that Tales of Zestiria, um it doesn't have its merits, you know. And, no, absolutely. I, yeah. I think and that as a as a relative like series neophyte, like I was like, ah, kind of, I, I I dig this one when I was playing it. So yeah, I think context is going to be really important for a lot of these ones because yeah. when we talk mm-hmm. about when we talk about the Tales slump of the last decade, I think there were a lot of design choices that we'll talk about that started in Zillia and kind of worked their way into they didn't know how to steer they didn't know how to write the ship for Zestiria and even Brazaria. Um so there are there are things that kind of compound over this this era from like 
Zillia, Zillia 2, Zisteria, Brazeria. So Brazeria was I, enjoyable, and we'll we'll get to that one yeah. um, in a bit. Yeah. I, I think it was a big step up over Zisteria in uh, so many ways, but maybe the fact that we were just freaking hammering the 10th best <laughs> Tales game <laughs> just now kind of yeah. reflects the somewhat uneven quality of the series in many ways, but... We're going to be getting to some of the better ones soon. And maybe this is one coming in at number nine. One of the most beautiful games in the entire series. Number nine is Tales of Rebirth. The Where You Will Be Reborn RPG, it has the three-line linear motion battle system. And the reason that this one stands out to me, first of all, it's kind of a hidden gem, in my opinion. Again, another import RPG. It was one of the last ones to truly be in 2D on the PlayStation 2. This is where the series shifted over to 3D with Symphonia. And frankly, I kind of miss it because Rebirth was gorgeous. What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful RPG. It's tough to top the uh, 2D graphics on the PS2. And also, it's one of the hardest Tales games. And I I kind of dig the Tales games that are a little darker, like Arise. Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. And Tales of Rebirth is very dark, in my opinion. Again, this is one that is just so difficult to play. There's no mm-hmm. fan translation uh, patch available for it. So if you want to play through it, you got to know Japanese or you need a written guide to go with it. Yep. Um, this is uh, unfortunately probably the one I've played the least in like 2004. I, I loved the look of this game. 2D characters with Inomata's designs just shine so, so well. This was uh, kind of the moment where the Tales series shifted, I want to say. Like, it was kind of the end of the era for the Tales series. And why do you think that the Tales games kind of moved away from this, like, early period? Was it an attempt at mainstreaming? Like, it was, was it just trying to find a larger audience? Was that it? I think just the success of Symphonia and Abyss um, was, a, was a big factor. Um, and you know, that these 2d games didn't really go away. You still had hearts on DS and you still had, um, like destiny two and rebirth got re-releases on PSP. We saw the remake of remake of the original destiny was so successful that they released the director's cut a couple years later. We're, we're into the PS three era and we're getting 2d tales games still. So I I think this was still a branch that was being explored, but I think because of the success of the 3D games like Symphonia and Abyss um, and just like the fan love of those games meant that those kind of had to take a backseat to what would be the Tales games that would get the most attention and the most budget. Yeah, I get it. But there's also a part of me that it kind of breaks my heart because... I like really good sprite art, and well, I know that to be fully sprite-based is to guarantee that you're only going to be played by a very niche audience, but I just really like very artistic games like that. I think 
with the success of Arise, they've sort of said, uh, sorry, I can't remember the producer's name. Let me bring it up right here. Uh, Yusuke Tomizawa has been saying lately that if Arise is successful, we will probably be seeing more of a release cycle that we'll probably be seeing a release cycle that's more along the lines of release a, a, a main big budget title like Arise. And then he said, we can't just wait another five years until the next Tales game. So he does want to be re-releasing these old games that 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 haven't had the the big major worldwide releases that some of them had in the past. So I think everybody go buy Tales of Arise so that someday <laughs> someday we can get a re-release of Rebirth and get an actual one localization. Yeah. That got away. Wah wah. Completely. Yeah, the collection of tales. I'd play that. The the lost tales. Yes. There yeah. we go. There we go. Yeah. Perfect. Coming in at number eight. It is that other Tales of Destiny 2. Yes, number eight is Tales of Eternia, but it's also known as Tales of Destiny 2 for no real reason because it's not actually connected to Tales of Destiny. It is the Eternity and Bonds RPG. It has the aggressive linear motion battle system. That's how I feel. <laughs> That's my not bio as, right there. <laughs> not as good as looking as Valkyrie Profile, but still a noticeable step up graphically from the first Tales of Destiny on the PlayStation and I think this one holds a fond place in the hearts of a lot of old school Tales fans who came in before Symphonia. This game nails so much about what would make Tales games Tales games. It, this, is, this is where the battle system really found its footing. Um, uh, the, the arts, or they weren't even called arts back then, but the way you use your, your skills and stuff like that and the, the mobility you have on the battlefield um, was huge. This this was absolutely the shift where Tails knew exactly how combat needed to needed to happen, and it's it's a gorgeous game. Uh, like you say, the the upgrade from Destiny to Eternia is is massive graphically. Um, the the hand drawn pre rendered backgrounds in all the towns and dungeons look fantastic. Like this is this is a quintessential RPG of this era. It's one of those games where if you ask people about it, they still like look back on it really fondly. I think I haven't had, if you bring up Eterna, people being like, oh, don't go back to that. Everyone's always very, very positive um, when they talk about it. So that that's one where I feel like as we talk about all these with caveats and, and ones that we're like, ah, some people liked it. Some people like this one has a pretty good following from it. and. People seem to, even with time, still appreciate it. Yeah, there are a lot of people who say that it's their favorite game in the series or even their favorite RPG of all time. The thing that stands out to me is, unlike, say, Tales of Rebirth or the Tales of Destiny remake or that kind of thing, this one actually came out in North America, which yeah. is great. Yeah, <laughs> woo! Yay. We got uh, one. And we it's one. it's slightly more available because it came out on PSP in English in the UK and it's region free. <laughs> getting so closer. Getting, getting a tiny bit closer to making these games playable. Um, it also has just perfect 90s voiceover. 
fantastic. Uh, just great, great voice acting. Like it's, Jill Sandwich level stuff? It's, it is more technically competent than Jill Sandwich stuff, but it is okay. very of the, you know, if, if you were watching anime dubs in the late 90s, mid to late 90s, this is primo. <laughs> the scenario was written by Sawako Notori, better known for writing Drakengard and Nier, which just tells me that pretty oh, much everybody has to die at the end of Eternia, Eternia right? <laughs> like there should be hardcore nihilism in this game. Totally. <laughs> and this was also a, a dramatic leap forward uh, for the actual battle system. Isn't that right, Victor? Yeah. Yeah. Like I was saying, the um, part of that is also the proportions, too. Um, uh, Fantasia and Destiny had very squat, like two head size characters. They were cute and chibi <laughs> and they served their purpose. But um, this made all the characters a little taller. They're three heads tall. They look a little more lithe and like they're fighters. And that really lends to the mobility that you have being able to, yeah, mo move around the battlefield in more predictable ways and and execute combos more effectively this is where the game really starts to feel like a fighting game or like a brawler it was an interesting time i think just for rpgs in general because this is what the jrpg golden age in north america when everybody where everything was coming out mm -hmm. yeah we went from zero to 100 really fast didn't we nadia we did yeah thank god thank god indeed and so we were even getting games like eternia which frankly would not have been released an earlier point and it came out in 2001 so it really was right on top of valkyrie profile like kind yeah. of like one two but then of course the playstation 2 was coming out just uh that same year in north america so no wait was north america, was it already out no the playstation 2 came out the year before ah my bad <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't get the wrong. uh I couldn't get the dates right. So Valkyrie Profile came out the year before. No, but yeah, no. And it came out in North America a year after the PS2. So this was yeah. definitely the last gasp of the PlayStation yeah. in North America. Which is why this game is like $500 now. Yikes. Oh, <laughs> dang. One of, those. One of yeah. those games. Never got a PSN re-release. Destiny yeah. and Eternia never got, never got any kind of re-release. So it's brutal. That's a pity because I think Tales of Destiny... That's a kind of RPG, both Eternia and Destiny. That's the kind of RPG that I think deserves to be like looked back upon. And Absolutely. unfortunately, my my copy of Tales of Destiny is long gone, so it's hard for me to play these days. Oh, oh dear. What did you do with it? I sold it or something. Oh, no. Now it's <laughs> yeah. sold for $500. Someone RIP. Like eBay flipper got it. Yeah. Look, I was yeah. just in a, uh, there's a retro game shop um, in the area where I live. And I was looking at some of the prices on like Breath of Fire 4 and the Final Fantasy 4 Advance. And I'm just like, geez, I should have kept yeah. these games. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're worth money now. But then they you're sure. like me and you never get rid of them because you're like, the price is just going to keep going up. I can't, I can't do it. There you yeah. go. So I'll just have it forever anyways and never <laughs> profit off. Yeah. You're not getting my Final Fantasy VI events. No way, no how. Coming up next, the game that started it all in North America. Yes, number seven is Tales of Destiny, which, in my opinion, is this high because... 
it got a really nice PS2 remake that just really pushed the, the graphics to uh, a cut above, at least as nice as Rebirth, if not better. But for North Americans, this was the game that, like, this was the first one to come out. We never got Tales of Fantasia, so we got to start it. And boy, let me tell you, my friend would talk my ear about the off about this game and be like, Cat, you have to play it. You have to play it. What's your take on Tales of Destiny, Kim? Tales of Destiny is actually one that I have not finished. Because mm-hmm. um, I got to, like I said, we talked about my embarrassing story of where I got started. <laughs> Um, and it was one of those games that people always recommended to me. It was always just like, you have to play it. You have to play it. And I think for me, going back to it now was hard because obviously, like, you know, I didn't play the PS2 remake. So trying to go back um, was difficult. And so I could never quite see or get to enjoy it. I feel like the way I would if I would have played it when it came out. I think I would have appreciated it more. So like, unfortunately for this one, I don't have a strong, strong opinion and I wish, I wish I did, but like, that's just, it would, you know, in this series, that's, that's where it fell for me. It was like those games that I'm bummed I missed out on in that era, but I wish I, you know, I think I would have liked it if I played it when it came out. This is the era when the series was falling into the, what I might call the Suikoden zone, where (laughs) you had these really interesting, yes, thank you, Victor. (laughs) This was, it was an interesting time for RPGs because you had so many, so many RPGs coming out. You had your Wild Arms and your Ark the Lads and whatever Square was putting out at any particular time. And so... You would look at the shelf and you would see tons of Final Fantasies and various Square games. And then if you looked a couple shelves below, you might see Tales of Destiny there. And you'd be like, what's this? Or you look in the, the bargain bin or whatever. And uh, sadly, not enough, uh, kind of a short print run, but it apparently held on enough to warrant the release of Tales of Eternity, uh, Eternia in North America. Eternia, think- like He-Man Land. <laughs> that's exactly why they had to call it destiny Two, is because mattel owns the rights to the concept of attorney <laughs> uh, so that's amazing that's why we got destiny Two. oh um, he-man I, of course yeah always ruining things for everybody um <laughs> yes i that. think i i think I've, I've never played the original destiny uh very much it's kind of hard I? to go back to i think yeah, well, it has a lot of the evolutionary dead ends that Fantasia had that Eternia then kind of course corrected and really refined. Um, but the remake is stellar. If if you can get that fan translation running, it is so good. Uh, Stan, the, the main character, uh, is just the ultimate himbo. Um, yes. I was, I was now you're making shocked. me want to do this. I it's don't great. have time. I have to play Rise. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is so good. Um, and the way that the battle system works, th- this was a huge shift for the battle system where they stepped away from like a normal like mana based pool for all of your abilities or Tales games typically call it TP or technical points where, yeah. you know, you're running out of this resource as you go. It, it changed it to a 
a smaller number system where it just has like, okay, you have five ability points and you can do whatever five actions you want in that time frame. And then you right. have to, you have to interrupt your combo to let that refill. So it means that your battle system is really flexible and and just flows so well. And th they'll they'll continue to use this kind of battle system in in a ton of the other games that that follow it up. Yeah, um, it's, and, it's important to rise, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it um it was really really an interesting change. Um and uh, yeah, like you say, it's it's beautiful. Um and Stan's an idiot. Uh, I love it. <laughs> it's know surprising. Who Stan reminds me of actually. It reminds me of Gowrie from Slayers. Totally. Uh, yeah. And, and actually, if you look at the entire kind of art style of Tales of Destiny, a lot of the characters look as if they could have been pulled straight out of Slayers or uh, something from Clamp or something like that. Well, very you know, wonderfully nineties, I think. Yeah, mm, yes. Inomata was was an animator uh, for for most of her career. She was doing a ton of character design and, and animation work for a bunch of different anime studios in the nineties. So i i I don't have her I don't have her uh, CV up on my my screen right now, but I would not be surprised if she was working on any of those. This is the point where I've become like a curmudgeon about anime because. <laughs> This is this is the era of anime that I like, right? Like after yeah. after two thousand, mm -hmm. I started to be like, uh, anime. It's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it's too over the top. It's too extra. But circa around this time, just the the hand drawn art, the the particular art styles and everything, uh, it gets to me in a way. And so the fact that Tales of Destiny in some ways is Slayers with the with the serial numbers filed off. Um, <laughs> even with like the sense of humor and everything, yeah. um, makes me just automatically sympathetic to it. <laughs> totally. And, and That's it fair. was, it was the first one to have a production IG, uh, see, uh, anime intro, which is gorgeous. Like there's so much of that nineties anime DNA in this game. Yeah. And I think again, the remake. Okay. So when I was living in Japan, the remake came out then did not get the remake while I was living in Japan. But every time I walked into a game store, I would see it being played on a TV. And I was just like, oh, my God, that looks gorgeous. When this comes out in English, I have to get it. Sad yeah. trombone. Uh, oh. uh, so sad. The life of a Tales fan. Yeah. I did <laughs> get it for my it. I did get it for my friend, the Mega Ch Tales fan, who did play it um, and did enjoy it. But you had to you had to work pretty hard to be able to play the um the remake, unfortunately, makes me yeah. makes me sad. I'm glad that they, by the way, I'm glad they kept the remake in 2D rather than making it 3D. That was a right. that was a nice touch, I think. Totally. Last time too, I think that was the last one that would actually come out in purely 2D, unless Hearts came out after that in 2D. I'm not sure. All right, coming in at number six, arguably the best battle system in the Tales series. Yes, 
guess number six is Tales of Graces. Discovering that strengths protect RPG. This should be the tagline for Acts of the Blood God. <laughs> it has yeah. the style shift linear motion battle system. And I see Kim dancing, so I'm just going to leave the floor open to her. <laughs> I think it's important to note when this game came out in North America, because I remember, like, it's Tales of Grace of the F for North America, by the way. I remember we, so the, we we're coming out of the PS2 era where we got RPGs, like, all the time. Like, you couldn't yeah. figure, like, there was so much. You could, you never had to, um, in that JRPGs in that style of game, like, had to worry, like, worry about what you were going to play. And when we got to the time that Tales of Graces F came out, what I remember is, like, that style was going away and it was making me sad. Like, we weren't getting them as much. And I was, like, waiting, waiting, waiting. And then this game came out and I remember being, like, yes, it's, like, the comfort food of everything that I loved about a PS2 era RPG and I needed it. I needed it. Plus, had the best freaking battle system that in the series, in my opinion, anyways, too, like, I loved it. And um, a few notes about, you know, people were sometimes give it some some crap, because it takes some time to get going, because it actually starts with all these characters in their childhood. And you see how this one event, how they come together in this one event just kind of shatters them and changes their life. And so and then it flashes forward obviously into their adulthood and people like didn't like that that childhood sequence took a little long to get going um it's like the sukoden 5 uh slow start to an rpg where you're like this is really good but you're gonna have to like wait for some payoff with it um but gosh i also like i like this cast a lot like i love um that they actually put uh sharia who has um an illness in the game and has to deal with like being chronically ill and what that means for he like there just wasn't characters like that that I saw very often and I ended up liking her a lot more because of that but I hate Pascal sorry there's a lot of fans but she's like the typical like anime like ah! like uh, there's that quirky I, yeah <laughs> I a lot cannot. of people love her and I just like can't but like I don't I can't know stand this, characters like that. This <laughs> game when it came out and even to the now with thinking about the battle system and just how good it was, like I have a lot of love and fanfare for it. Um I think back on it and it just it was one of those games that I just smiled the whole time I played it. Mm -hmm. Even though there's some really sad stuff in it. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> I wasn't glad, but the, like smiled because I was enjoying it and it was reminding me of like, hey. I miss these types of games. I wish they came out more. I wish, um, you know, the Japanese RPG was struggling at the time to figure out how to evolve with that generation yeah. and keep, you know, and it didn't evolve or move the needle by any, by any means, but it was just like a reminder that like, Hey, these games are still fun and let's figure, let's hope that they can figure out a way to keep them going. And like, you know, budgets were just so increased that, um, in that time that they were, that's why we were getting so much on handheld as well. That to yeah. get a console RPG like that and have it, um, and then have that battle be so damn good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I will stop yeah. fangirling for no, a moment so other people can talk. You're absolutely right. And, and it's a blessing that this game was developed for the Wii. 
Like when you think about it, like Mm -hmm. that it's, it was a standard definition console. They didn't have to have the huge budget that you would normally need on an HD console. And because of the, the control limitations, they developed this amazing battle system. They, they adapted the tales of destiny battle system, which was meant for 2d and then made it this over the shoulder, really dynamic, like, it, it just works so well because of these limitations. Um, and I, I think I really hope you get a chance to play Destiny Remake, Kim, because it uses a lot of the same special effects in battle. Like the transition oh, screens are exactly the same. Like just the flashiness of it all. It Oh, oh, it works great. Oh, um, man. So, yeah, I, I say- 100% agree. When you say within its limitations, like, did it use Waggle or anything weird like that? Like, we got on the Wii? I, d- I don't think... I have the Wii version, and I I don't think it even uses any Waggle. There might be... It might be, like, you know, activating over limit or something like that. I can't remember. But yeah. But it, it just transitioned so well, even to a standard controller, that the brilliance of the design shines through. Um, and, right. and you probably wouldn't start from that place if you had a normal controller to work with. Um, and because it uses that, it uses that ability point system the same way that destiny remake does. This is the game that, that influenced, um, Zesteria and Bruseria and, and ultimately arise. Like this was, they really fine tuned this great over the shoulder battle system. People still talk about this battle system. I mean, that's like it, it. I've been amazed over the years because when I played it, I thought it was good, but I didn't think it would hold up as long as that for like mm-hmm. people to like keep going back to it as like that was the one that was so good. And yeah, I like that. At you know that that's still considered like one of the the gold the gold standards for the Tales battle system. Yeah, and- because it helped it evolve. I think so much as well. Completely. And and for for as kind of juvenile as the story can be sometimes, its twists on that are so worth it. The the moments of of reality that set in in this it, it is the most kid-ish looking Tales game, I I think it's fair to say, right, Kim? Like it's Yeah, yeah definitely. It, it's pastel colors. It's back to big yeah. heads. It's, yeah. uh, but then I think that's that, why that turned some people off for yeah. sure. I think that's why it was kind of controversial. Like there were a totally. lot of people who were mega Tales of Graces haters, which is interesting because, okay, so I remember when Tales of Graces came out on the Wii and so many people seemed to just immediately discount it, maybe mm-hmm. partly because it was on the Wii, right? Sure. And yeah. then when Tales of Graces F came out, people, there were, there were a lot of haters. But then just over time, it seemed to rise heavily in the esteem of a lot of people. And, a, and the battle system is a big part of it. But you could you could kind of argue in some ways that this is like, if not necessarily the platonic ideal of a Tales game, like Tales of Vesperia is, it mm-hmm. does really capture the flavor of what so many people like about Tales which is that really smart battle system, which mm-hmm. is that really sunny disposition where you're going to go in and, you know, it's not the smartest RPG, but you're just going to enjoy yourself. It's, as yeah. Kim was saying, comfort food. People are yeah. going to shout slogans that are very anime <laughs> and very encouraging. And that's and sometimes you need that. 
and the contrast uh, of of the brightness and then the 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 dark themes makes this the on Her Majesty's Secret Service of Tales games. Oh, <laughs> we're still doing this. Are we still we're still committed to the bit. I like it. Coming up next, it is maybe the most popular Tales game, at least with a certain segment of the audience in a certain age bracket. Number five, Tales of Symphonia. It is out on the GameCube, the PlayStation 3, and PC. It is the resonating with you RPG. It is the moment when the series went 3D. Features multi-line linear motion battle, the first 3D battle system. This hero, of course, is Lloyd Irving with that red jacket and that spiky hair. It was a GameCube exclusive. The entry point of the series for many. Nintendo funded this one. And you, I think a lot of people look back on it very, very, very fondly, maybe to some degree with rose-tinted glasses. Mm-hmm. I do think that it is somewhat dated. I was never that big a fan of the story. Sorry. It, it was fine. It was fine. But it was gorgeous for the time. And it was one of the handful of really good tales, or it was one of the handful of really good GameCube RPGs out there, so... If you had a taste for the Tales, if you had a taste for JRPGs and you owned a GameCube, then Tales of Symphonia was pretty much it. Unless you wanted I to play like, like Batman Kaitos or something. I didn't really play Symphonia, like I said, but I feel like Lloyd is one of those characters you always see around in like people's yeah. avatars and stuff people like that. People are like, put Lloyd in Smash. That's what I'm thinking of. Isn't yeah. he a Mii fighter? So he's essentially banned like from he's in Limbo yeah. now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, I, I think I mean, Lloyd would have been a good choice actually for smash because he would have he he would be he's kind of like the er he he's kind of the representative of tales right he's like maybe one of the most recognizable protagonists in the entire series oh, yeah. like maybe yuri yeah. or somebody no i was just to say how crazy though i i this game that popularized the series was a gamecube exclusive rpg yep. like yeah i still to this day cannot believe that is the one that you know like you would have thought that was just like oh god that's they're going for a real niche audience there (laughs) because the gamecube like i owned a gamecube but i was not playing my rpgs there like there weren't any like really to play and i remember this game my friend at like she bought it for me uh, but she like everybody was talking about it and i was just like wait what what is going like Really, like the Tales series is is blowing up all of a sudden, and it's because of a GameCube um, RPG. And then, like, admittedly, like I went back and I played it not too long after I played actually Legendia. And yeah, I think um, it's still got its like charming moments, and there are some dark stuff in in the story that I was just like, wow, like you know, I think we forget sometimes that Tales does touch on like there's that whole like slavery sequence and the woman getting beat and everything. And I'm just like, this is screwed up. Like the world, tales, like then, tales then with then its mood whiplash. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, there's there's, there's, the there's some game. really messed up stuff. Yeah. It, yeah. it was. Yeah. But even going, like I said, 
for how many people remember this game and it was their entry point and it is what a lot of people when you say the word tale series there is like symphonia it always is just amazing to me that this is the one that took it not because it's a bad game or anything because it's obviously it's a lot of fun and it came out at a time where people wanted something like this but man what a story yeah this this is the perfect game to play when you're 14 yes I, yeah Absolutely. exactly there you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody needs that entrance way to RPGs. If that- you're if you're of a certain age, yeah, then probably you loved Symphonia. Yeah. It it is a it is a wonderfully competent game. I love it. It's it's got to be in my top three. I I can't help it. Like it's part of my soul now. Um, I understand. I've played through it eight times. Like eight times. Wow. It rules. Well. We haven't even touched on uh, how great New Game Plus is in Tales games. Oh, that's true. Mm -hmm. The way they incentivize you, Symphonia does it brilliantly, how how a New Game Plus can be a completely different kind of game depending on what sort of limitations you put on yourself, what kind of buffs you put on yourself. They open up this whole store at the end, and Symphonia was the first time I had ever seen anything like that. All the other games was like, like Skies of Arcadia, I remember getting to the end of that and then you're stuck on the screen that just says the end and you have to turn off your console. Oh, like, that's from like the old days of SNES RPGs. What? So depressing. It's so depressing. But Symphonia ha- opened this thing up at the end and was like, okay, would you like 10 times experience this time through? Would you like to retain all your skills or would you like to have half of the experience? Would you like to make this a, a challenge for yourself? So it became this game that I could replay multiple, multiple times, which I had never experienced in a, in a JRPG before, unless I just wanted to, you know, start from square one. So, um, it, yeah, it, it means a lot to me. It, it, um, you know, it, it, the way JRPGs do, they, they introduce you to a lot of big philosophical concepts, but in an easily digestible anime way. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Putting it in context, Tales of Symphonia, when it came out in 2003, first of all, it was beautiful. Second of all, there weren't a lot of other RPGs to play on the GameCube. So if you were JRPG curious and you were a teenager, it was a great entry point because a lot of kids owned the GameCube, I would wager. It was known for being a somewhat younger system, which is why I think that uh, certainly a lot of people who are kids now have such strong nostalgia for the thing because they yeah. probably got one when they were kids because their parents were like, Nintendo, it's great for the kids. We'll get we'll get them uh, one for them. But yeah. also, I think it set itself apart from other RPGs of the era. I mean, we've already talked about how it was an action-based system in many ways. And when I was playing RPGs at the time, I wanted a game like Tales. I wanted Mm -hmm. that combo-based system mixed in with a turn-based kind of more strategic concept, I suppose you could say. And Tales of Symphonia took that and executed on it really well. Plus, it had cooking, which is not something that we've really talked about very much to this point. It was introduced for the first time in the remake of Tales of Fantasia and continued into Tales of Eternia. But it is like one of the like big fixtures of the tale series. And now nowadays you're like, yeah, cooking it's in like practically everything. But at the time cooking was like, wow, what a cool, like what a cool Mm. concept to be having in an RPG. I really dig this. Right. And so it makes your, 
and in its own way, it kind of bonded you to your party. Absolutely. I was going to say that the way that um, each character sort of has a different level of cooking ability to begin with. And, you know, someone will be has a higher chance of being successful making certain dishes. Some people like different dishes like Tails uses cooking as a way to endear you to your party and build their character even more, which was just fantastic. Yeah. I have to say, Trails of Cold Steel just ripped that off wholesale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no shame. I remember getting, uh, you, you'll get characters to a certain proficiency with their cooking, and then a skit will pop up, and it'll be the whole party talking about how impressed they are or how bad someone is at making this, but we all put up yep. with it anyway because we love them. You know, it's it's so endlessly charming. And Tales of Symphonia, of course, it was the first 3D Tales which again is going to get it out of that particular niche that it had been inhabiting and just naturally appeal to a larger audience, especially circa the early 2000s. And another kicker for the Tales of Symphonia, it was really accessible. It was just, especially compared to some of the other Tales games that came before it, like Tales of Destiny or Tales of Eternia, it was just so much more accessible than those games. If you didn't know that much about RPGs, you could pick it up and play it and understand it immediately. Yeah. And I, I think the that Nintendo money went a long mm-hmm. way to getting a mm-hmm. voice cast that really did the game justice. You know, Eternia is charming in its own way, but having Scott Menville and Cam Clark and Tara Strong and all of the Crispin Freeman, like it had uh, Jennifer Hale it was yeah this was That's before a- everybody like followed every voice actor on twitter and like knew everybody's name but these were like these were big people these were amazing actors doing an excellent job like i like i love ff10 but symphonia's voice acting blows it out of the water like they are they are killing it on every front if you put that cast list up now, you get a lot of positive response. Those are some like really big names in, in voice acting. Totally. You you wouldn't put that cast list up now because they're all union and can't be exploited the way they were back in the day. <laughs> they're too well known. Uh, their rates are so, way too high. So I think this goes a long way toward answering your question as to why Symphonia caught on. The question that I'm wondering is if it had come out on the PlayStation 2 instead of the GameCube, but assume that it has all of the, you know, the production values and the accessibility (laughs) and everything that maybe it had because of Nintendo money, would it have gotten lost in the shuffle or would it have been even bigger? Well, because it did come out on PS2 in Japan. Yes, but it did not Uh, come out on PS2 in North America. And people still sort of regard the GameCube version as the definitive one because the mm-hmm. PS2 runs at 30 FPS. Um, it's it's a little truncated in some ways, longer loading times, uh, sort of on par with Abyss. Um, so I think the polish of the GameCube version that was kind of exclusive to that hardware gives it a little bit of a, I don't know, it it feels clean. It feels good on that hardware. Tales of Symphonia. The game that I think just hits the most uh, at the nostalgia centers. 
of everybody. And that's why I think so many people put it like really, really high up because they just have such fond memories of Tales of Symphonia. Next up, it was the most recent Tales entry before Tales of Arise. Yes, number four, Tales of Berseria, which is interesting because I remember at the time it was being discounted a little bit, but Tales of Berseria has really risen in the esteem of the fans. It is the RPG of discovering your own reasons to live, which I appreciate. <laughs> I mean, we all need that, right? You know yeah. what? Yeah. I, hey, I could sure use that RPG right about now, baby. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Especially circa 2020. Jeez. It has a liberation linear motion battle system. Its heroine is Velvet Crow, who actually might be my favorite protagonist in the series. Great name. He rules. And this is the one that is like very edgelord tales, right? It has an anti-hero. It is kind of the opposite of the bright, sunshiny day of Tales of Graces. This one tends to be kind of more hardcore, kind of darker, and I dig it. I think it is actually a great entry point for the series before Arise, of course. I think Bizaria does get a little bit of a bad rap because the series was really running on fumes yes. in 2016. Yeah. Very I much have so. to say, as someone who was like not really, didn't know much about the series at the time, it did not help that you had all these games coming out so close together with names mm-hmm. like Desperia, Desteria, Axelia, like Zillia, like strange just, names. Yes. Yeah. They, it's just so hard to distinguish them. Like Final Fantasy, one, two, three, four, five, six, you're, you're good. <laughs> Not with Tales. It has yeah. one of the most, in my opinion, interesting casts and interesting stories mm-hmm. um, that they'd done in a long time. And it's just unfortunate that it came out when the series had gone through a bunch of entries that were clear that it was stuck in a rut and was having difficulties trying to evolve and it was repeating a lot of mistakes. So you get to an entry like this where you're like, Oh, I like for me, I loved the cast and I think velvet is awesome. Like really dug her as a main character, but then you go through the game and you're like, up, oh, they're still making all those mistakes with the backtracking, with the bloat, with, you know, having the dungeons just be so run of the mill. Um, and I remember that being what was really hard when I was reviewing. It was like, I, for me, I was like, wow, this is leagues better for me than Sisteria was. Like, I love everything they're doing here. Like, the the energy that the story brought in by doing something different and committing to the dark darker path of the story and even like the characters but then when i got to the gameplay parts i was like all right well it's what they've done before this is everything Mm. we've seen before and you know it was clear that the series needed to do a complete revamp and this was an entry where I feel like there it was like, oh, they drew it out for one more entry, but I really like this cast and this character and it yeah. bums me out. So I'll always, I feel like, like I really, really like what they did here in a lot of ways. It's just unfortunate that it was at the end of that whole like tales, like 
rut that it was going through and trying to figure out where to go next, which is why I'm happy that after this was like Tales of Arise making some big changes because it was clear that that is what held this game back was that it didn't have enough new going on. Yeah. This was actually my favorite Tales game besides until Tales of Arise, I think, because none of them quite hit, but this one, this one hit for me. And I think it goes... I think a lot of that is to do with the protagonist. Like if you can get the right protagonist in there, like Lloyd, we were just talking about how Lloyd might be the, you know, the definitive tales protagonist. Right. I, I always found his design to be kind of dopey. <laughs> like, well, and he's oh, far totally. from like the best per, like prote- yeah. protagonist either. It's just like, he's just recognizable. Um, because he's got that bash the stampede look to him. Only not as <laughs> cool. Extremely. Yeah. Yeah. No trench coat. <laughs> Yeah, but no, I would exactly. never call him the best protagonist. I would just call him the most yeah. recognizable. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Velvet, as as Edge Lordy, a name as that is, <laughs> like I just I, mean, I immediately connected with her. I was just like, all right, I'm into it. I'm into this world. I already said that Zestiria kind of hit like just right for me, mm-hmm. and Berseria also hit just right for me. the The battle system really flows. It's really nice. I think that it's easier to get into in this day and age in many ways than um, tales of symphonia is. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, I think sure. that the, I, I think it has a better story. I'll just be straight up right there. And the so, story is great. Yeah, yeah. So where wild tales of Brazaria in the moment was a point where the series was definitely getting stale. If you look back on it and judge it on its own merits, tales of Brazaria, I think stands kind of strong is like one of the best entries um in the series yeah i i think i i want to know if anybody else gets this i always go into a new tales game thinking i mean this cast looks fine but i'll never love them as much as i did the last one i played like whatever it is whatever (laughs) x tales game is like yeah they look okay but we'll see i sure love this other cast and berseria was the ultimate one for me where i was like looking at promotional art and getting ready for the release and stuff. I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. The character of Aizen, for instance, I he was a nobody to me. I was like, I, uh, I don't need him in my party. He's too, he's too, oh, I have bad luck and it follows me everywhere. And then through the skits and stuff, discovering that he's just a big dork. Like he's just, he's such a nerd, but he's got this, it's very like if you took, the character of cloud to its like ultimate end, you know, like the, the logical end point of cloud trying to seem cool and actually being a bit of a, a doofus underneath. Like Aizen is the, the perfect distillation of that. And, and I just, I don't know, Brazaria, I warmed up to that cast so well. Um, and I, I don't know if like, Kim, what is your favorite cast? Like who, who do you sort of hold when you go into a new Tales game, who do you sort of think of as like, oh, I'll never like them as much as I like these guys. Um, but I, I, I think there, there is still that, you know, cut and paste dungeons of Berseria will, will always kind of turn me off the meandering. Yep. Um, it's a lot of Tales games. Like, it's, yeah. what? But it's that era. How many times can you keep doing this? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. the the Zillia up to Berseria is very copy paste dungeons that don't actually have meaning. Whereas you get the the Symphonia Abyss Vesperia trilogy, and every corner of a dungeon is considered. It is it is all Mm. designed specifically 
Um, and, and even though you're still, you might still meander a bit and run into a dead end where you find a treasure and then go the other direction and progress the story. It's still all, um, you know, mindfully designed. Whereas this era, uh, is so obviously I'm running through the same hallway I was a second ago. Um, that said, Berseria is great. Like it rules. It's a very, very, very good game. I think Rosaria is interesting because the darker vibe definitely carries into Tales of Arise. And it seems to signal a kind of a personality change Mm -hmm. um, for the series. And this was when Baba had already left, if I recall correctly. He had gone over to Square at this point, I want to say. So um, maybe that that goes a long way toward explaining it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which is why Tales of Rosaria is the license to kill of Tales games. Oh. <laughs> oh, I like that. Ooh, yeah, that's good. Because that was that also, makes, was, was that the that second? That Velvet Timothy Dalton. <laughs> was that the second Timothy Dalton movie, or was that the uh, first? I think I think it's the second. Ooh, I can't remember. If it, if it were the if it were the second one, it would be perfect, too, because since sure. Hysteria came in, that would be yeah. Yeah, the first one. There were only yeah. two Timothy Dalton movies, right? That's right. Yeah. So He was going to do a third. But I don't know how we ended up connecting this to James Bond, but I guess uh, there are it two works. historically important but wildly uneven series that Absolutely. have been going on for way yeah. too long. Totally. Yeah. Makes perfect sense to me. Okay. Coming in at number three, it is maybe the game that is the hardest pronounced in the entire series. Yes, number three is Tales of Zillia. Exilia? Who even knows? And it is the RPG of unwavering convictions. It has the double raid linear motion battle system. It has two protagonists, which is what kind of made it stand out at the time. That would be Jude Mathis and Milia Maxwell. And yes, I have it different on the list, but I am calling an audible and putting this one at number three. Take that. <laughs> this is an unpredictable list. I like oh. I like this change. I, I support yeah. it. Fully supported. But I remember that this was the one, it was a pretty big deal when it came out. It was kind of the definitive PS3 version. It was kind of weird that it took so long for, like, okay, so there were PS3 entries before this, but there were a lot of ports Yes. Uh, so I'm kind of surprised mm-hmm. that it took so long for a definitive PS3 Tales game to come around, but maybe also not that surprising given that the PS3 status in Japan, right? Yep. Yeah. I think uh, that's what made it so exciting for me was just like, I felt like I hadn't had a, that brand new entry in a while and I was waiting for something that was a little bit different. And I think what I remember sticking out with me uh, for Zillia, beside the fact that the the battle system was fantastic was that they just put a lot more in the world to i remember just being like walking into like the main like grass and i'm like oh my god there's all these things to collect and then i'm just like that <laughs> rpg collector who's like need it need oh, it gotta yeah. get it gotta get it gotta find it gotta and there's just like a lot around that before the series kind of felt a little empty sometimes when you would go to explore. And I felt like with this, <laughs> maybe they overdid it a little just to be like, yeah. there's shiny things all around. But 
I remember liking it at the time because I felt like, oh, this is nice. It's a nice change of pace to actually like see a lot that I want to go get and, you know, go to go down this path in the world and see what I can find there and so forth. Um, but yes, and then the two main characters, um, obviously, I played as Mila first because me too. Yeah, she rules. I actually yeah. have a Mila shirt that I got from the Tales store. <laughs> Gotta keep plugging this. Um, but I, I ended up really liking her as a protagonist because she was a bit different with not having like that emotional, you know, connection or you know, ability to process emotions the way that most characters do that we're used to. And I felt like it meant for, made for a really interesting um female protagonist than to have Jude on the other hand who's a doctor like who is more caring and in tune with that stuff I don't know I just like the dynamic that they had there it's such a great dynamic having 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 a male protagonist who is in like a nurturing role and having the female counterpart be the 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 hot-headed one is like you've just turned uh, decades of JRPGs on their head. Right, like, it's such... that long, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, they're, they're they're such a good pair, and this might be one of my favorite casts in in the whole series. I think it's really really strong. Um, and is this I, the it, point in the series? By the like, if you look at the list, this is the point in the list where we're getting into the best casts. And yeah, I don't think it's any surprise that the top five here all have really strong, really memorable casts. Totally. Um, and like I, Tails I, is like make or break, made or break, break, bro broken, made or broken yeah. by how strong its cast is, in my opinion. Very true. If it has a middle of the road protagonist, middle of the road cast, like it's just, it just isn't going to hit as strong, right? Yeah. And they, they use that affinity system in combat too. This game's all about like picking a partner yes. who you do combination attacks with. Uh, all the combos flow so well. Um, this this is one of those ones where uh, like Tales games always have people talking in combat, but these oh, ones yes. all feel like really supportive <laughs> and like you get different voice clips depending on who you're partnered up with. There's a ton of great stuff going on in this game. Um, it's it's interesting that you bring up all of the all of the tchotchkes on the world map because that for me was like that was a peek behind the curtain of oh you have made cut and paste world maps that are barren and have nothing so the way you've decided to pull us through it and get us from point a to point b is literally putting shiny things in front of yep. us to go hey, play. it worked for me it worked it for me i was like this is different enough i gotta collect everything i need my i need to like i love the shinies that's what i said no treasure chest left behind gotta pick yeah. everything up always have more than i need yeah. every single thing and then you don't possibly. use it exactly totally. you need it later and you or then you get mad because you're like how did i miss something i was being so thorough but now i need this stupid thing yeah. to craft this and i don't have it where the heck yeah. is it like <laughs> and part of that is so zilia was meant to be the 15th anniversary celebration yes tale that's game. right so they they had a hard out and, and that's why we kind of ended up with these sort of cut and paste locales and, and sort of a, a lack of side quests in the same way that they appear in some of the earlier Tales games is they needed to get it out on time. And then we have all these extra resources that they used for Zillia too. Um, 
But because of that, it being an anniversary game, they brought in uh, Kosuke Fujishima and Mutsumi Inomata to both design half the cast, which I think was really, really cool. And what I love is that you have uh, Fujishima designs Jude and Inomata designs Mila. And then their their antagonists are Gaius and Muse. And Gaius was designed by Inomata to go up against Jude's Fujishima design. And Muse is a, a Fujishima design to go up against Mila's Inomata design. So they, they were really considerate of like how to influence Tales history and these two beloved character designers into the the DNA of the game that I think is really effective for making That's really a, cool. a vibrant cast that looks interesting. Yeah. Yeah. When Tales of Zillia came out, I think the reason that it had the kind of copy-paste dungeons and the less interesting locales, especially compared to the PS2 version, is simply because Japanese developers in particular had a really hard time adjusting to making HD assets. Yeah, that kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. it was seen in so many different games. And it was just, uh, it it was rampant on the PS3. And even though it did not come out until 2013, which was the same year that the PS4 came out in North America, (laughs) uh, even though it was very late in the PS3's lifespan, it was continuing to be an issue, I think, especially for... Uh, teams that were relatively small, maybe had less of a budget, um, were under a big time crunch. And by the way, being under a big time crunch is a it's a common factor in a lot of Tales games where it's just <laughs> like, yeah, like a lot of stuff got left in the cutting room floor, which is what happened to uh, Tales of Zillia. And yet when Tales of Zillia came out, oh, my God, uh, like the Tales, the Tales fans were out in full force. Right. Because this was like. Yeah. It's in HD. This is an original game. It's not just a port. If you're going to pick yeah. up a game, this is going to be it. And yeah. like the PS3 was still a legit console at the time, even though the PS4 was coming out. So it wasn't as hard of a sell, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But in yeah. some ways, also, Tales of Zillia kind of exemplifies the the late period of the PS3, where all of the Japanese games finally came out in force, but they were much more of the like kind of the B tier <laughs> Like yeah. That's why I'm kind of glad that uh, Arise uses Unity, because I feel like the, mm-hmm. I actually it's know a re- that it's a relief, honestly. Thank it God. really is a relief because also it's unreal. You, it's not Unity. Sorry, yeah, I, I you the one with the U. <laughs> I'm gonna correct you. I'm gonna correct you, Nadia, pedantically. <laughs> well, I do know that like one of the problems with the HD era for Japan is everybody liked to make their own engine and they didn't like to share them amongst like each other, so that really slowed things down and made it difficult where now it's just like, okay, here it's, it's what it is. We can use it. And we make it, of course, Arise is a great game. We'll get to that. But yeah, I'm, it is a relief to know that they are kind of t- making things easier on themselves, quite frankly. And the, the, uh, the other big thing about Zillia is that it was the first game to have a free camera. Um, ah. So all of a sudden, they're not only developing assets, but they're developing assets from every possible angle. They're designing environments right. that are able to be seen with a third person camera. Again, this is those like these half steps that they're making between, you know, quote unquote, catching up to Western game devs. But, you know, you, like what a what a change to how you develop areas and design your spaces. Some great environments, though. Like very whimsical, but this is where the series went super extra. 
I've always said <laughs> that Final Fantasy is especially starting with, say, Final Fantasy 13 is when the world building just went kind of off the rails yeah. as they were just like, and we'll throw in this environment and this environment. Look at how crazy high fantasy and how high tech this was. And I think Tales of Zillia is very much in that vein. Yep. Yeah. Over the top. Coming in at number two, time to journey into the abyss. Yes, number two, Tales of the Abyss. Maybe the most critically acclaimed or highly regarded among a certain set of Tales fans. Came out on the PlayStation 2 and the Nintendo 3DS. It is Its hero is Luke Von Fabra, one of the more interesting heroes in the series, renowned for his redemption arc, because let's be honest, Luke is a total jackass for a good chunk mm-hmm. of the game. It's a little oh, bit like yeah. Camille. Like... If you want to talk about how the Tales series loves to lift established uh, character tropes uh, throughout, like I, I would argue, like Shirley is a lot like Katagina from Ta- Victory Gundam. Go look it up. I know that most of you <laughs> haven't looked, actually watched Victory Gundam, but just take my word for it. I don't like Katagina, even though I always play her in, in games. But yeah, Luke is kind of the Camille in that regard. Um, Tales of the Abyss has some glacial pasting really strong character moments, really strong arc overall. An ambiguous ending that I actually kind of enjoy and has spurred a lot of debate with fans. And it was, uh, I would say, a definite step up from Symphonia um, on the PlayStation 2. This was the the series kind of going to the next level for Legendia, getting completely overshadowed. Kim, I know that you're a big fan of this one. Yeah, pro- this is my favorite cast because I love, first off, let's talk about our girl Tear. She is amazing. <laughs> Probably oh. one of my favorite uh, oh. female RPG characters. Um, and her dynamic with Luke is just so well done. And the payoff that you get from watching that relationship later, oh, so good. So good. <laughs> I haven't cared about like two characters the way I cared about how those two like played off of each other and learned um because like as we discussed Luke is not a fun character in fact the most common thing I hear from people when they say they bounce off this game is I could not stand Luke he just drove me crazy he's such a brat he's supposed to be a brat and as you go through the game and you learn more it just it's it's really satisfying to see how that character has to grow up and learn about the world and that things are not always as they seem. So I find that this, the cast of this game is just, God, I love, um, I don't Jade too. He's just Mm -hmm. so like sly and his sarcastic sense of humor. And he just very like, cunning at times and but it's he's a it's in this charming way too like he he's awesome i just remember tearing through this game because i was so enamored with the cast and trying to figure out where the story was gonna go because things get really a little crazy in this one it takes some wild twists wild turns that you are (laughs) not expecting and i think that's what 
the most I was engaged at the time. I was like, this is really engaging because there's good twists in this. Um, the pacing, as, as Kat said, sometimes, you know, isn't the best. But when you get to those moments and you're just like, oh, this was all worth it. Um, for me, like I said, just. God, I love that cast so much. Uh, will I ever Aww. love another the way I love them? <laughs> I don't know. But... That's the joy and pain of RPGs. Will right? I ever yeah. love anyone as much oh, as I love this character? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is this is one of those games where I will play through it using every character as my main fighter. Like, I love experimenting with this cast because even if it's not as mechanically uh, as, as sound as some of the later ones, I love them so much. <laughs> they are just fantastic. Uh, and and yeah, the, the, the level of maturity with which they treat Luke and Tears relationship is you barely ever see that. Uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's a it's a gorgeous game again. Yeah, way too long. Um, but uh, great soundtrack too. like it has some some really iconic battle themes in it. Um, it's uh, the, the skill system that they add makes the combat so versatile and so customizable. And so you can play this game any way you want. Um, the the lore of the world is great. Like it's it's the perfect blend of of like science and and mysticism. Like the the world is all made of sound and how that That's affects cool. things. Like everything, all of the religions. Like the leaders are called like composers and and like it's all based in music. Um, and then the like you're you're not just killing God, you're killing the philosophical idea of determinism and fate. <laughs> like it's, it's stepping up a notch here. Yeah. It goes that extra step and just becomes this like conquering an idea. Uh, and it, it's so good. <laughs> what a good video game. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to say that. What a good video. Yeah. Game. Kind of the series that is creative peak. A slow intro, so it's tough to get into for some people. But once it gets cooking, like it is definitely the Tales series where it actually has some like good idea of its own and feels like it's like legitimately its own world. Um, mm. Yeah, it's really good. And finally, it's time for number one. You can probably guess what it was. No Tales of Arise. It's not on this list because it just came out. It's hard to list this one, but let's say that it'd be pretty high up. <laughs> it's really, yeah, really good. Yeah, I would guess. Yeah. <laughs> pretty excellent. I really like Tales of Arise. And honestly, I'm like in the middle of a Tales of Vesperia playthrough right now. And I'm like, going, oh, I kind of want to just go play Tales of Arise now, which is uh, <laughs> kind of a problem. For our Slightly. monthly game club. I feel like this is happening with everybody in our Discord, by the way. But yeah, uh, Tales of Arise is definitely up there so far. But no, it's time for number one. And yes, it is Tales of Vesperia. Tales of Vesperia, Enforcing One's Justice RPG. 
how lovely. It has the Evolved Flex Range Linear Motion Battle System. Its main hero is Yuri, but really the main protagonist is that dog with the pipe. Smoking the pipe <laughs> all the time. Repeat. It is the, I want to say, the platonic ideal of a Tales game. A little bit slow still, and if you play it now, uh, even the Definitive Edition does have a little bit of that Final Fantasy X feel to it with that fixed camera and everything, but... People still love Vesperia. If it's the it's the one that like you can go, yeah. If you, you want to play a modern entry, just play Vesperia. It's, it's a really I have good to say, one. Arise is a lot more fun to play than mm-hmm. Vesperia. Mm-hmm. It's much faster, much more satisfying, much more modern. And honestly, I think modern. I think Berseria is more fun to play than Vesperia in but some ways. There's no repeat. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. See that, but you know what though? Arise does have Hoodle, that and true. Hoodle kills me. Hoodle just destroys me. God, I love that stupid bird so much. I want to hug it. Vesperia for me has, I would argue, Yuri as the best Tales protagonist. I love Yuri so much. Yuri's great. He is my favorite. Um, It's not easy to do a good rogue, kind of roguish protagonist. Um, But I would say Yuri is up there with Locke in that he's not annoying about it. Like he does kind of ooze cool right yeah. from the very start and you're like yeah i like yuri you're in, i'm into him you know when i really decided to like him what's the name of that brat kid who i can't remember his name because i don't Beryl. Beryl, is that his name carol. okay carol. carol that's right yeah. he had that really weird yeah. name. anyway there was a scene where he gets out outed by the hunters like he has his whole like family he's he gets kind of kicked out of and he's really sad and yuri's just like hey you know what Screw it, we'll make our own hunters club with blackjack and hookers. And it's just, uh-huh. he, he has that that very, not really Sundere, but very kind of air that, hey, I'm too cool for any of this. But he really does care. And he doesn't make it so obvious that he cares. Yes. Like, he's just like, hey, you know what? Hey, kid, we'll, we'll hang out. It'll be cool. And he just mentions it in passing. And that's why I like him. He's not very up in your face with his attitude. Exactly. He's just something, he's just very likable. And it doesn't he doesn't feel yeah. like he's putting it on for show like that typical you know hero protagonist way like there's something that's very genuine there and yeah it stands out for me but i will agree i've gone back to play this game a few times now uh since it came out and it's definitely for me shows its age and sometimes i'm like i i want to go back to playing the, like i for the time when it came out like i said and i love the cat this is another one of my very strong cast as cat yes, has said right. every game that's on this list that last five have been some of the best casts that they've less had dated than a less dated than the abyss but yeah it definitely mm-hmm. does show its age a little bit I actually i love the dynamic between rita and carol like mm-hmm. the way Rita just tortures Carol. It's just so for great. Fun. It's so yeah. amazing. There's yeah. a scene where, of course, you have the, the the typical tales talking portraits, and there's a scene where Yuri is talking to whoever, and they're just having their own conversation. And below them, you see Rita's portrait start like slowly inching towards Carol's portrait, and Carol suddenly looks terrified, and Rita just takes off after him. And this is all in portraits. It's that's hilarious. Yeah, wow. it, it, it feels like when they do that fun stuff with the skits of this era, it feels like back when 16-bit JRPGs only had a handful of pixels to show an emotion, yes. you know, yeah, like the sprite absolutely. sheets of FF6 where everyone has like uh, a shocked emotion or like a sad emotion. And they do that same kind of thing with the portraits and skits, which I think is super effective when, you, when you're when yeah. you on a budget and you can't just animate a full cutscene. 
Um, Absolutely. It, I, they really got a lot of emotion out of that. Yeah, I think um, that this this completes the triumvirate of like male tales protagonist voice actors who went on to conquer the world. Like Symphonia has Scott <laughs> Mendel, uh, Abyss has Yuri Lowenthal, uh, who is everywhere, uh, and and Yuri Lowell in Vesperia is Troy Baker. Yep. Um, even before he showed up as Snow in Thirteen, like. And he's killing it. Like it's, he's a very, very good actor. Everybody, I don't know mm -hmm. if anyone knows this, <laughs> but he's a good actor. Um, and he really sells it. He sells that that a cab attitude really well. <laughs> like uh, it's it's such a good dynamic. I love him and Flynn. I, I think they're a really yeah, great yes, pair. They're very cute. Um, and uh, and I. <laughs> Also love him and Judith, who are who are definitely doing it behind the scenes, right? Like that's <laughs> like that's right. We're like that's, agreement here, yes. that's the that's the unspoken thing that's going on there. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's um just such a good cast and such a a refinement of you know a, as as Symphonia, Abyss, and Vesperia are happening with this studio and they are developing what a 3d tales is there's also you know there's the rebirths and the destiny remakes and and the uh, the other things happening at the time and i feel like this evolutionary line reaches its peak with vesperia it is such a good refinement of of that trilogy of games i totally agree and while i am enjoying tales of arise a lot and i think that it's a great evolutionary leap for the series in so many ways. This, the, the evolutionary leap that the series honestly needed and it has an amazing mm -hmm. battle system and all that. If you want a classic Tales feel, Arise doesn't really have that. And right. I think it's reflected in the skits, which are kind of more of a, almost like a 90s comic book style. Yeah, in the way that they're manga like, looking. They're pushing yeah. into the characters' faces and they're all animated. I like the kind of cutesy, fully animated, well, kind of half animated look of Vesperia. It's very charming to me, mm -hmm. actually. And yeah. yeah, Vesperia harkens back. It connects the future and the past of the mm -hmm. series. It is the, the pivot on which the entire series turns. I think it's so funny that Microsoft was desperate for Japan creds, so they're like, Tails. Let's go. We're making this yeah. a console exclusive. I bought an Xbox 360. They for got you. Same. They, they got, got me. Me too. They me too. got me. Yeah. And, and the, the localization for this is also like, this is the first time we had fully voiced cutscenes, fully voiced skits, because they weren't voiced in Symphonia or Abyss. Uh, this right. is the first time we get the actual vocals in the opening theme. Like, this is the first time we had they'll usually either not get the rights to the theme song for the North American version and replace it with some uh, a Motoi Sakuraba piece, or they'll cut out the vocals because they don't have the license to that. This, they went all out. It's it's a fully like realized version of what this kind of Tales game can be, and, and it just kicks ass. And it was the first great JRPG of that particular generation, which admittedly, it was not a great generation to be a JRPG fan, but it did beat Final Fantasy out of the gate 
by a yeah. solid couple years. And yeah. did Dragon Quest ever come out on the PS3? I don't think it ever did. So no, it was mostly no. DS at the time. No, yeah, it was yep. definitely. Yeah. So whereas the big competitors were going either fully handheld or it was going on like, you know, whatever. This one was actually like in HD. It beat them to the punch. And I know I was saying Zillia was the first one on PS3 and it was like a big deal for it to be in HD. But of course, you know, Vesperia being out there on the Xbox 360 way back in 2008, it was a a trailblazer. You know, for a long time, it was kind of like, I feel like people were kind of rotating it around with Symphonia in the top mm-hmm. three or something like that. But it has continued to grow in esteem, I think. And I think what puts it over the top is it holds up maybe the best um, out of all of the games in the series. It uh, has some of the best environments, some of the best cast. It still looks really, really good today. Getting the definitive edition was really big yeah. for the series. Yeah. And it's so accessible now because it's on everything. It's on Game Pass. It's on Switch. It's on... PC, you name it, and you can play it. And it is still a lot of fun to play today. And that is our list, the top 20 Tales games of all time. Final thoughts. That is a lot of games. It's been a journey. That's a lot of games, man. I can't wait to do the spinoff top 20. Oh boy, here we go. (laughs) Tales of Versus. Where are we going to put Tales of Versus? Oh, above or below Tales of Where Height for mobile phones? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I think I I think if you ask me on any given day of the week, I'll give you a different answer of what my favorite Tales game is. Um, And and I I think I think it shows how much love there is for this series that most games in this series can be somebody's favorite. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um you know, it's uneven at times, but I think there's a lot to love here and and I think uh I mentioned this on Retronauts too, but there was there was a, a pretty high profile game journalist who who kind of said that Tales games are junk food a while ago and that's kind of caught on in the zeitgeist and I think that's wrong. I I we've mentioned it a couple times here and they're comfort food. You know, they yeah. are, th- there's always going to be something familiar in them that, that will appeal to people who are willing to meet this kind of game where it is. Um, and I, I think that's, I think that's lovely. It's Final yeah. Fantasy if Final Fantasy never opted to actually evolve. <laughs> if like Final <laughs> Fantasy had kept going down the same path, yeah. uh, path that it always had. Uh, yeah. That's kind of what Tales ultimately did, but I'm not going to be upset about that because it knows its strengths. It does. And it generally, especially once you get to the higher level games in the series, it generally executes on those ideas very well. And it's kind of in the zeitgeist now, right? Like people, if you look at, you know, some of the games that are popular right now, people want the anime. They want the anime nonsense in a way that they didn't want 10 years ago. And Tails is like, we're ready to deliver on that anime (laughs) nonsense. Here we go. Time has come. (laughs) Yeah. As of right now, numbers for Arise are looking good. Like I, I kind of, I have high hopes for the Tales series for the first time. This might be the first time it actually follows through on the high hopes. Yeah. 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 In like, 
over a decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm really excited about what they do next, and I hope this justifies re-releases of some of these older older games that we never got a chance to have. Okay, it's time for the lightning round. I'm just gonna throw out a few bests, and I want you to tell me really quickly, Kim and Victor, what you think. First of all, best protagonist. Oh, Yuri. 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 Yeah, I'll go. I'll go with Yuri. Yeah. Best soundtrack. Oh God. Uh, I, I, I really I'm, like Abyss personally. Yeah, I, I might say either Abyss or Symphonia because Symphonia borrows a lot of the best tracks from Fantasia. Uh, mm, I could see so that. it's got a really good synthesis of some new stuff, but with some of the older older Fantasia uh, battle themes. Um, yeah. Best Though overall. Zilia Zilia mm-hmm. has a great. Um, the 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 second world you go to in Zilia is all jazz, baby. And it, it's cool. <laughs> it. It, it puts Sakuraba in some some cool places. I really like the the kind of acid jazz stuff that Zilia has. So best overall cast. I'm still going with uh, Vesperia on that one. Abyss. It's between either Abyss and Zilia for me, but uh, Abyss Abyss is really high. Yeah. Best villain. Hmm. Oh gosh. Eric said that Tales of a Tale series generally has quote unquote a villain problem, so that might be a hard one to do. I I think that Van in Abyss has really great motive. That that is true. Uh and a lot of villains uh, in Tales games are just like a slight idealistic difference from the heroes in a really, really nuanced way. And I think Van is is a great representation of that. Well, I think how they set up Van too is like being kind of this mentor, whatever, yeah. and then going in and learning more and then learning that there's all this other crazy stuff that's at stake yeah. in this. Like for, yeah. for his motivations, I think... Um, yeah, I, I don't think the series necessarily always like knocks it out of the park with its villains, but that probably yeah. it's probably up there. And your personal favorite moment in the Tales series. And we can be spoilery. It's fine. Oh, God, it's that ending with uh, Tyr and Luke. And she's like, she could say like, you idiot or whatever, because You'll know the oh. moment I'm talking about oh, when you play. It's great. Yeah, um, it's so good. I got chills thinking about it. How dare yeah. you do that to me? It just it always <laughs> sticks with me. And like I said, um, there's very few times with video games and anything dealing with romance, especially in RPGs, usually not done well, not done mature. But that Tear and Luke relationship and just how it evolves. And I know it's like the whole like oh, they are complete opposites and don't like each other in the beginning and give each other crap the whole time. But it builds to something really beautiful because of what happens with Luke's storyline and that moment where he does make that sacrifice and she says, oh my God, I can't. I can't. can't. It's too much. I think think because you took what is probably the best scene in the whole series – I'm going to say, uh, I lied. This coffee is hot. I lied. This coffee is cold. 
<laughs> All right. And that is it for our great tales ranking. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this, go check out our great Final Fantasy ranking, which uh, is still it's on the free feed. You can go listen to it. We had a great time. That one as well. We're going to keep doing these. I think the next one is Dragon Quest. Hell yeah. A lot of fun. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Until then, though. Hey, Victor, go ahead and uh, promote some things. Yeah, sure. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Victor E. Hunter. Uh, I'm also the, the voice of the the main dude in Dragalia Lost, uh, available wherever you get smartphones. Oh, whatever. Uh, it's, it's a great game. Uh, we, have a, we have a wonderful time making that, and I love it. Um, I'm also co. Uh, I'm also a regular guest. I don't know what my status is on Charlie yeah, and Dropouts. I'm a co-host yeah. on on Charlie and Dropouts with Nadia. Uh, and um, oh, check out! I, I'm making a a audiobook version of the Final Fantasy XIV lore book, um, just for accessibility reasons. Um, so check that out. I, it's a fun little pet project I have that I'm I'm really proud of, and I'm hoping I can keep keep publishing chapters and kim yeah you can uh check me out on twitter kstar1785 uh to read my work gameinformer.com uh subscribe to the magazine obviously that's where a lot of my feature writing is present so if you want to check in on me that way also just keep like I said, Twitter's probably the best way to keep track of what I'm working on. All right. We will be back next week for our regular podcast, as always. But until then, for Kim and Victor and Nadia and myself, thanks for listening. Happy venturing.